On this week's general admission, we recap the pup show from this past week and get to the dramatic conclusion of the Sum 41 Simple Plan Saga. We talk about the new arcade fire record and preview a little Welcome to Rockville Festival. Adam Grundy of Chorus FM joins us to discuss the new Silverstein record, Misery Made Me, and we finish up with Concert Superstitions. Okay, let's do it. Hello, Brett. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're here. Episode nine. It's May 12th, and we're laughing and we're smiling. But Brett sadly was not smiling yesterday. He had to miss the pup show, unfortunately. I missed the pup. Miss the pup. And it's very interesting because typically, etiquette wise, if you have a friend who misses a show and they say, How was the show? You go, Oh, it was good. Yeah, it was a fun time. And then that's it. You just leave it at that. Maybe if they ask, you do a little bit more of a follow up. And then, then you don't make them feel that bad. Unless you do a music podcast together and you have to talk about the show. <laughs> Fortunately for you, though, I woke up this morning and half my Twitter timeline was people taking videos at the pub show last night. So I was able to see firsthand how good the show was <laughs> and what I missed. So don't feel bad at all. Uh, it breaks my heart. You were very missed. Me and Vinny had a time, but we missed I'm glad it. you guys had fun. I missed you guys, too. Uh, it was it was a great show. They really they were everything I expected and more. Um they're really good. <laughs> like, they sounded just, awesome. Yeah, the sound was the sound was great. They were locked in. They were they were fun. They had some banter. Um no encore. No encore. They made a point to talk about it. <laughs> they're like, we don't really see the point in like pretending we're gonna leave just to come back so we're just gonna play all the songs what they did do was like they turned the lights off and kind of like pretended to hide and then they're like oh we're back we're here so <laughs> then they played like the last two um, kids, right? yeah kids and uh hold on, i have the set list up because i don't remember off the top of my head uh what was it and morbid stuff. morbid stuff yeah Ah, uh, it was it was it was killer. They played they played um most most of the songs you'd expect. Um a Guilt good trip? amount of, they did not play Guilt Trip. They played at least they um, didn't miss that then. They played Dark Days and Reservoir were the two off of um their first album. And then um it was just like a good mix of, of everything. Um they opened with four chords and totally fine, which opens the current album their latest album um and then it was just like a good mix they did um if this tour doesn't kill you right into dvp which was cool because another like album opener and then follow up so you can't have one without the other with those two exactly and then um when he played the song matilda at the end of that there's just like a guitar solo but in this case he he said 
He's been practicing this solo for 15 years and he's going to nail it. And then he played the Hotel California solo (laughs) (laughs) for like three minutes, (laughs) which led me to one of my drunken thoughts at the show. What do you call it when Pup covers the Eagles? It wasn't Robot Rights an Eagle song? No, but I appreciate the, 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 the guess. You call them the Beagles. Because it's like a dog. Right? Oh, Brett, I think we that lost one, it. That went over my head for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I like, wait, where'd he get B from? <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought now, my joke was just it. so bad that it crashed our crashed our zoom call (laughs) that was a great time um uh, for a monday night show um i had doubts like i also was hearing from people that the tour hasn't been selling that well which i thought was odd because like pups like the top of the game right now for the genre i thought but someone at the show was telling me their theory and it was that they're at this weird in between of too big to play the small places, but too small to play the bigger places or something like that. That's the nail on the head, I think. Yeah. Um, Plus, like I said, a Monday show probably didn't help. No. I think just knowing from trying to sell my ticket back, like I saw that like, obviously it wasn't sold out, which meant resale, like no one was buying anything. I got to drop my ticket to like the lowest price possible for it to go. And luckily it did, but it's always nice when you can get some back for a show you can't go to takes the sting off a little a little not much but not yeah not much but at least you know you get a few schmeckles back exactly towards Um, the next show the open the open really cool too (laughs) yes (laughs) we go to a show and then buy tickets for a new show (laughs) that's how it goes um the music life the openers were um this band pink shift which um they were just like uh i don't really know how to i would describe them but just like you know kind of heavy rock music and they had like your mag little chick singer this just like little girl like i don't know how what how else to call her and she had this voice and these screams that were so awesome the first song she screamed in i was i was like holy crap where is this coming from um that was pink shift or that was sheer mag pink shift okay um you could tell like so pink shift they were saying they just have an ep out they're from is it maryland maybe um and you could tell they're a new band but their sound was so good that i have high hopes for like what they'll become because it seemed like they were on a really good track uh musically so this one song has five million listens Damn. See how we got I'm gonna tell my therapist on you. (laughs) That's what it's called. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We should try and we should try and get them on and find out how how they blew up that fast and how you get on a tour with Puff with just one EP. I'd be very curious. Like we might be able to swing that. Yeah. Based on our (laughs) luck coming at the end of the month. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The interview that we will not mention until it happens. You got to push back a little bit. And then the other band was called Sheer Mag, and they were basically just like an '80s rock and roll band, but our age. Um, 
another female singer and she had a fan blowing in her face the whole time, blowing her hair back. And she was wearing aviators and she was so cool. cool. (laughs) And the guitar player kind of looked like David Cross and he had on this bandana and he was shredding and like him and the bass player shared a microphone. So when they would do backups, they would both lean in together, which I don't know. I just really liked watching that. Um, they're nothing like Pup, but they were such a good hype band to go before them. They 80s, get a lot of listeners. 80s too. are alive and well. Yeah, they're from Philly. Sheer Mag, definitely, definitely check them out. I would, I would see just them because it, it was that fun. Wow, that's some high praise. Yeah, for an opener. They were, they were great. They were real great. Um, yeah, and then Pup. Up, crushed it we uh we got a spot near the bar on the floor and then um we were very close to the stage even over there and then towards like the second half of the set we were getting a little antsy and like yeah. a song i knew Vinny really liked came on so i'm like just run in there so he runs into the pit then he comes out then i put my drink down then i run into the pit and next thing i know we're both in the pit and we've both abandoned our spot at the bar <laughs> And then we're, I look at him like, we just got to stay here till the end of the show now. Cause there's going to be like three or four more songs. And we put up so many crowd surfers. We are just launching people into the air. It was great. Like something about being in a mosh pit, putting your arm around a complete stranger and singing the lyrics to a song together is just, it fills my heart with so much joy. <laughs> it looked like a great crowd. Like everyone was into every song from the videos I saw. Yeah. It, it really was just like that. Everyone was super cool, um, super polite. There wasn't anyone like being like aggressive. It was just running around in circles and singing together. And um, yeah, it was a great crowd. And I think a lot has to do with it being on a Monday. Like you're not getting people there on a Monday who don't want to see the band. Everyone there clearly wanted to see him bad enough to go out to a show on a Monday night. So I think that kind of helped the crowd. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Now you should uh, tell listeners about how good Sum 41 was on Saturday night. Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) (laughs) the Sum 41 concert became watching Netflix on my couch. They did the right thing, though. So everything we bashed them for last week, they went and did correctly this time. So yes, I take back what I said. Yeah, the show was canceled. postponed to august another weekend in august um and i don't know if it was was it canceled because of the weather or because of covid i'm pretty sure it's covid but i think the weather might have forced their hand anyway it was really bad on saturday yeah like i don't know how they would have gone forward with that with the wind and everything no i don't think that show would have happened so i appreciated them giving us was it two days notice two days yeah thursday night they announced it right yeah and as much as I love shows, having plans and then having those plans canceled is one of like the best feelings. Like just the whole Thursday or Saturday with nothing to do. Doesn't happen often. So I kind of embraced it and uh, just hung out, cleaned the house for Mother's Day on Sunday. And yeah. How do you think you'd be feeling today if you had some 41 Saturday, Mother's Day and pup last night? I think we would be recording probably tomorrow and not. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I think that's fair. 
because my head is throbbing a little bit right now. My neck is sore from headbanging and my calves are sore from jumping up and down for the entirety of the pup show. That's and, a sign of good time. Yeah. And it's a sign of me being old and out of shape. <laughs> <laughs> we are old now. Uh, this is 30. <laughs> Your calves are sore from an hour and a half concert. From standing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a lot of jumping. I was jumping up and down for a lot of that show. You can't not jump when Pup is on, though. Yeah, it just makes you want to jump and sing. And uh, I, we talked about it last week, how when a show is coming up, you feel required to listen to the band. And I said to Vinny before the show yesterday that I'm looking forward to the show being over. So I don't have to listen to Puff because they're all I've been listening to. And the show was so good that I woke up today and all I wanted to do was listen to Puff because it just reignited it even more. Um, gives Concerts you that, do that. Yeah. Like you wake up with that, that glow, that post-show high. Like I was going off like five or six hours of sleep, exhausted in the office today. And I was happy. <laughs> I was just riding like the adrenaline from the night before. It's, it's a great feeling. You know, what does it too. Like if like you hear a song live that like, maybe you're not crazy about on the album, but it sounds like phenomenal live. And then like, you'll go back and listen to it again. You have like a new appreciation for it. Like I love yeah. when that happens. Yeah. That happened with um, my life is over and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> Cause uh, that one, I don't listen to a ton, but um live it was just it was so fun that i put it on today and it was it takes you back to the show so now you have this whole new memory attached to some of these songs so why we go to concerts yeah yeah um so other than other than pup what what else have uh you've been listening to this week so we've had it was a very busy friday release week last week and also this week coming up so we had new Silver Scene drop, which we'll be talking about shortly with a special guest. Yes. And we had new Arcade Fire, who normally I'd skip, but I heard it was a return to form. So I went and listened to that a lot of the weekend. And there was new Simple Plan, which I haven't listened to yet. So I'm hoping to get to that maybe tomorrow. It's been all all Silver Scene yeah. since Friday, but you'll hear more about that soon. Yeah, we'll we'll get to Simple Plan next week. Um, I along with uh, new state champs on Friday, so we can bookend the pop punk. Oh, nice! And new Kendrick Friday, so maybe we oh, could have a little wow. rap talk. Okay, <laughs> Friday's another big one. I feel like Kendrick would be like, like a whole thesis of a breakdown. <laughs> like, I don't know if I could listen to his album twice and no. <laughs> assess it properly. I skipped um, a single on purpose, knowing the album's coming out this week. But. Will this change your mind? The single isn't going to be on the album. So apparently before all his albums, he releases this song. Um, I forget what it was called, but this one was like part five because it's the fifth one he's done. And apparently he releases a single that kind of um, summarizes or gives like a vibe of what the album is going to be like, but then oh. it's not on the album. Okay, I have to listen yeah. now. And I have no choice. Watch the music video when you listen because it's just him rapping but like his face is changing it's like will smith and oj simpson i heard right yeah yeah it was pretty cool um but 
yeah uh the arcade fire album i as i made it very clear last week i don't know much about them at all i don't think they're folksy in hindsight i kind of pulled that out of nowhere and think it was wrong at least this album um it's a pretty cool album i gotta say i love like the concept vibe they do with the songs and um, they're all multi-parts it really fit in nice listening to like heavy silverstein when to then have that to like balance it out because i'm sure you're like me where there's parts of the day where even if the silverstein album is your favorite thing they've ever done like i just don't want to be yelled at right now <laughs> yep silverstein's the shot and then this arcade fire album was the chaser yes well said <laughs> but i i'm really liking this album so far like i've honestly skipped everything since the suburbs because i've heard they've kind of tried to be a pop band and it doesn't really work for them but this like the lightning one and two yeah i keep hitting repeat on those two like i love the end of lightning part one that like shoots right into lightning two and it's just like three minutes of in your face like arcade fire which is like what they did on the suburbs that i liked like ready to start it kind of reminded me of a little bit hmm. but I think they were trying to get back to that sound. Like, I'm not sure they quite got there because the suburbs is like an all time classic. But this one's still really good. But I yeah. think it's, I do think it's backloaded. Like, I think tracks six through 10 are amazing. But like, I haven't gotten into the front half as much as the back half so far. I've, I've only listened to it twice, but I would definitely agree with you that I think the lightning right around there is uh what stands out for me and then um the beginning was cool i i just like this this concept idea how they have like multiple of the same song but it kind of goes into each other and they're long and experimental and then they have a prelude as track three like i didn't know they were a band that did things like this so i was pleasantly surprised and the singer's wife is uh, the background vocalist too, which I just learned. I didn't realize they were married until I oh. Wikipedia the band. <laughs> Gave it the old, the old read. Because <laughs> they uh they killed it. They were on SNL this past week and they killed it. They were like one of the best musical acts I've seen this season. I want to say. Wow. But they were awesome, and like that made me want to listen to the album even more. Like the Lightning Live is a whole other animal. Hmm. I'll have to I'll have to watch that. You got to send it to me. We can uh, tweet it out this way. People can find it. Um, yeah, but that for me, pretty much it was it was Silverstein and that. Um, I've been slowly dipping into bands for this Welcome to Rockville Festival because that's a week away. And um, what I did was I just looked up like the first bands on the list like the first few bands playing each day and i just started going through them just to see and there's a lot of great small like i don't want to say i mean smaller than like the headliners obviously but um there's one called mood ring that is gives me like death tones breaking benjamin vibes almost um i think you would really like them i love me some death tones and then um there's another one called the Mysterines. Um, I was talking to my friend who 
lives in um somewhere in the uk and um he moved there when we were younger um uh, but whenever i discover a band from over there i always hit him up i'm like do you know these guys and i was texting him about cold years and he said he didn't know them but he told me to check out this band the mysterines and they're just like raw like punk rock from britain and they're pretty cool and it turns out they're going to be at this festival i'm going to so i was listening Came to full circle bit. yeah yeah because i saw the, they they were playing a new york show for like 10 bucks but it's the day i fly out and then um as i was scrolling the the set list i realized that they were going to be there um lots of lots of other bands this band have you ever listened to stick to your guns i've heard of them but i've never listened to them before they're they're definitely bigger because they're not like a headliner but they're definitely higher up on the bill and yeah they're just like heavy um heavy pop punk maybe um i think you'd like them too but yeah just a lot of music i'm a little overwhelmed but that's like the fun of a festival you're gonna have a great time out there too yeah yeah, I, I don't want to talk about it too much because um, I want to save it for next week because it'll be right before I'm leaving. But I'm very excited. I was checking out the layout today of the of the land and it's it's really great. It's like right outside like Daytona Airport in like some field and there's two main stages and then two side stages. Um, like if you picture a giant rectangle, the main stages are in opposing corners. And then the smaller stages are like halfway along the perimeter. Um, I don't know if I'm describing that well, but whatever. I think um, I could see it in my mind. Yeah. And then there's all tents in the middle. And like my company's going to have a tent, like uh, the place I work for, American Musical Supply. Like, and we're going to be doing signings and all this cool stuff, which is awesome because I'll have like a home base. I can like bring a bag. I could charge my phone. <laughs> it's going to make, make it so much easier than just going into a festival. Uh, I'm super excited though. It's coming up one week. Sure for, aren't the headliners really big too? Yeah. Um, Guns and Roses, Corn, um, Breaking Benjamin, Shinedown, Rise Against, Seether, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Nine Inch Nails, Jane's Addiction, Bush, yeah, Jerry huge. Cantrell uh it's crazy it's it's rockville it's rockville <laughs> i can't wait literally though. i can't wait um yeah i feel like silverstein would have fit in at this festival or like a day to remember any of those but but um i guess they have other things to do a day to remember is from florida why aren't they on this they're, they're from ocala ocala yeah. ocala yeah that sounds right not sure how to pronounce it but <laughs> But it's their album. Yeah. <laughs> and we booked our ticket to that today. Yes. Yeah. Uh, tour announcement. Breaking news for anyone who <laughs> didn't see. Um, a day to remember with Beartooth and Good Omens. Ghost, Ghost Inside. Ghost Inside. And then either Good or, or Bad Omens. I apologize for I not bad knowing omens. which ones. Um, Unless that's a TV show. Or is Good Omens a TV show? I don't know. <laughs> One's a band. One of them maybe, is a t- an Amazon show. Maybe they're maybe they're the same name. Maybe the band has their own show on Amazon. 
I gotta look now. <laughs> but but um the other what was the other band that you just mentioned that got Ghost added inside? later? Yeah, so they only got added to as a data member put it, some of the larger shows. So I was pretty psyched that Summer Stage counts as one of the larger shows. And we got yeah, in on that pre-sale. Like doors open at four for that one. Yeah. yeah and it ends at 10 because that's how, for some reason, that's how the pony shows are. <laughs> well, I guess because like they have a curfew. Yeah. Or something, right? Yeah. But that that's, that's going to be a real good one. I, I'm having anxiety over weather because I have a... I have a concert every weekend of August right now. The it's odds like you're of, due for a rainy one. What are the odds of it being beautiful weather every weekend? <laughs> like one of them is gonna. Like maybe you'll get know. a thunderstorm, but I feel like it's not gonna be rain the whole time. I feel like August is normally just hot yeah. and sunny. All right. All right. I, I feel better now. Thank you. Why don't you be like a hurricane the weekend of uh, some 41? <laughs> My buddy said that. He's like, oh, it's August 26th. Great. Right in like prime hurricane season. A COVID hurricane. <laughs> so just take like a simple plan out. get to this time. <laughs> then we'll be arguing. Like, like, we're like, man, happen. they should just do the show anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Have to be consistent. <laughs> um. I want to talk about the Silverstein album, but we can't because we had or a guest on. We? Well, as far as the listeners are concerned, we're about to talk about it right now, but we already talked about it, so we can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Hopefully everyone at home is following along. I'm not following along and I'm the one talking. <laughs> Let's get to the interview and uh, I'll clear my head and we'll come back with more fun and games. <laughs> okay, we now welcome on guest and friend of the pod here to talk new Silverstein, Adam Grundy. You can find all his awesome reviews, features, and interviews over on chorus.fm. Adam, thanks so much for joining us. I have a very important question to ask. When did we get so cold blooded? <laughs> that's that's a million dollar question right <laughs> how you liking the new album i i really like it i mean they they've really done a lot with the progression going from uh you know like i said in my review more introspective on a beautiful place to drown to now misery made me i mean the the fact that you know, they're titling their record something about misery it, it's it's such a huge feeling for them to really hone in on those uh types of emotions and really just go for all the different, you know, nuances that go into songwriting. So I'm really, I'm really liking the pro their progression so far. Yeah. They've, uh, they really rarely disappoint. I've, I've always thought, and, uh, I know Brett agrees too. Um, I think you said it really well in your review when you said it's one of their heaviest albums, both mm -hmm. musically and lyrically. Cause I mean, they've always like had that emo tag and like some of their albums were more, um introspective than others but this one really feels like they're tackling like some heavy stuff on these yeah songs. and even from like some of the introductory sing singles that they put out like bankrupt and then I, th I think uh the next one after that i can't remember what the the, the order was but yeah. Ult ultraviolet came third right before the album came out um and really they they were hitting those heavier tones in the guitars and um really going for 
a lot of the different heavier tones that you heard uh, kind of tastes of, about in previous records that really they just went all four on the on the current one. I did have a fun tidbit from one of our listeners I want to throw out real quick. So apparently, uh, shout out to Matt Maceos, one of our loyal listeners. Uh, he wanted me to uh, make this note on the show when we discussed the album. I think it's a perfect, it kind of blends into what we're talking about now. But he said that if you look at the writing credit for uh, Dead Reflection, it's like mostly done by Shane and like some co-writers. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at uh, A Beautiful Place to Drown, like Shane writes one song, but then the rest is uh, Paul Mark Rousseau. Yeah. It's the same case with this album. So it's just huh. interesting like that. Like I know like we mentioned like on our previous episode, like how much he's been like really jolting the band forward, Paul Mark Rousseau, mm -hmm. and just into Shane. And it's like showing even more on this album. Yeah, and I had a chance to uh, to talk with, uh, I think, Shane right around when Redo, the first one, was coming out, the Redo album, the remix of uh, all the reimagined songs. Those and then, so Paul, uh, yeah, and then Paul Mark Rousseau was right, was the second interview I did right around the, the out album A Beautiful Place to Drown came out. Uh, and really, it's just interesting hearing how they construct songs, how they think about songs, and also how they kind of, you know, bounce ideas off the other bandmates. Uh, it's really interesting because you know um, i think a lot of this was during done during the pandemic when a beautiful place of drum was a was a finally hitting and then they kind of came up with a plan to you know tour on uh the, that material as well as you know start to put the basis into uh, misery made me so uh, really it's interesting to hear how they really think about music it's it's so cool because they really do like come off as like a team yeah. and a lot of a lot of bands i feel like like I'm a big Rise Against fan. And when I talked to their guitarist, he was like, no, Tim does the writing and that's it. Like that's his wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But to see a band come together with, with writing lyrics or even kind of switch the main responsibility from one to the other, I feel like that doesn't happen very often. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, when you got a, a band as talented as Silverstein is, you know, they have so many different parts that come together. It reminds me a lot of like what Under Oath was kind of doing with like the, the responsibilities between Spencer and Aaron, um, taking different uh, vocal takes with both with clean vocals and then scream vocals from, on Spencer's side. And then Aaron always pretty much just doing the drumming with uh, the vocals overlaid on that. Um, it reminds me a lot of like what they do with their collaborative process, have, speaking with uh, all four of them now. So uh, with those vocalists. Yeah. So I think it's like fascinating. Like I know like, like we ended our last episode saying like, like we expected this album to be good. But like mm -hmm. even knowing that and then like playing this all the way through, like I'm just blown away at how this band, like they really don't miss. Like a lot of bands falling off. Like I know Nick, we talk about a day I remember a lot. And like Silverstein, like they just they're like they're still growing and like these songs are different than like what's come before, but it, it works for them. And like they're very comfortable with who they are as a band. So when they try something, it's like still Silverstein. It's like not them trying to be something they're not. Like a, like Cold Blood comes to mind. Like that sounds like a top 40 song. Mm -hmm. but that's not a i'm not saying that's a bad thing like it's showing like their range and how it still works for them as a band yeah the, there's certain ones on here that just feel like classic silverstein and then there's others where you could tell they're they're just tweaking it just enough where it's different mm -hmm. but it doesn't sound like a different band it's they're really good at it because it's it's a really fine line between being stale and then changing too much and isolating your listeners alienating 
So, sure. Yeah. And yeah. even with a beautiful place to drown, there was like the introduction of saxophone on the song all on me, which was kind of unique hearing it from like the early recordings that I, that the label provided for me. So uh, just hearing that for the first time, I remember just thinking of how they always push the envelope uh, in, in their songwriting and also the different sounds they want to bring it up forth to each one. So what are your thoughts on, on the features that they've been doing these past few albums? They usually stick to like, three or four it kind of feels like yeah i mean i think four is a pretty good number um and somebody actually wrote on on one of the tracks i think it was the one uh alter mary uh that uh, originally they said that they're going to do a feature for that but um what they ended up doing is they they kept it all as one track um even though it's blended together it's basically like two tracks mixed into one because there's a lot of different tempo changes and things like that uh, but as far as the features, that's something that Silverstein's almost always done. Um, looking back to the days of, you know, um, a shipwreck in the sand all the way through where we are now from Misery Made Me. They've really looked for new voices to kind of bring into the fold to, to give a new element to each of the songs. So it really didn't surprise me there was that many features at all. And Adam, in your review, like you made a great point that whenever they do bring these features, like they work. Like they're mm -hmm. like calculated, but it fits in with exactly what they're doing at the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of that is really well thought out and, and they, they hone in on the, the, the guest vocalists. Usually it's a vocalist, um, uh, their strengths and they, they really take the, their time to figure out what they can do to make that song better and really make it stand out. Yeah. It feels like these guys are, they're they're used just right like they don't overshadow the song if you're not paying attention you might not even realize immediately that it is a feature on some of them like uh slow motion has um devil wears prada guy i think mike mike kranica and so. like that yeah. one first listen just not like paying super close attention i didn't catch it and then when i'm looking at the lyrics uh, or the the credits i kind of picked up on it the the one that stood out most was um cold-blooded cold blood like brett mentioned with trevor daniel who i i never heard of but it's the it, first time i've heard him too it's definitely one of my favorite tracks on the album it's it's really cool yeah and it's it's kind of interesting hearing like these vocalists that you kind of know from other projects and how they kind of blend into the silverstein sound with either their vocal cadence or things they try up to be you know complement shane told's vocals also um, with you know his ability to go from you know a roaring scream all the way to the clean vocals that he's kind of um, improved on really a lot since you know the debut yeah. where he's he basically admitted to me in an interview that he didn't know what he was doing when he was when he was first screaming on the first album <laughs> so it's kind of interesting to see how he's adapted to some of those early lessons uh, and you see that on the the redo one and two albums too what they when they got to re-record a lot of the new material of older material i should say yeah the fact he could still like scream like that almost 20 years like after like discovering the waterfront yeah. or actually i should i guess uh when broken is easily fixed is almost 20 at this point right, right? yeah <laughs> yeah i put that one on today and it's so cool because like you said like his screams aren't like honed in at that point it's their first album but knowing where they end up and then listening to that is so cool because you really hear all the pieces that make silverstein who they are and you know exactly where it's going to go since we've seen it. And it's, yeah, they're just, they're such an impressive band to be able to just keep doing it for this long and keep making it feel new. Yeah, definitely.
you mentioned the the altar uh mary before i think mm-hmm. that might be like the best song they've ever written <laughs> like that song is so it went so hard there. in the beginning it's really heavy too yeah and then, then it has like a different breakdown in the middle that kind of blends into a different song and so that's the one that they said was intended to be two different tracks and then it just ended up being like stuck together and it's kind of cool how it goes into the album sequencing it all together so it makes makes sense right around the i think it's around the seventh or eighth song or so yeah there's some really cool production on it. There's like this echo on his voice as it starts to switch to the other mm-hmm. half. And then you hear like chairs or a table, something being like mm-hmm. kind of like messed with in a room. Yeah. Like, uh, I would love to just like get into how they did all those little things. Like at what point do you think, you know, we should like move some chairs or something. <laughs> like, just the yeah. little nuances. Yeah. And there's also like, I think on the, almost the next to last song if if it's not it blends into where he's talking yeah. about if you hear on the headphones you can hear him talking about i'm gonna try this guitar part before they go into the ballad misery so um he's talking about like different riffage and stuff like that and i, I think that's really cool when bands uh add in those studio elements about when they're tinkering with different things and they're trying out different things um much like you know other i just think of like other like 90s bands like green day they put in like that a mess up on uh their probably the most famous <laughs> song time of my life yeah uh, time of your life and then um yeah you hear the intro and the the f word and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> and then they go right into the they're one of the most famous famous hits of all time so yeah it's cool seeing those little um studio um nuances and tricks that they throw in there it's like on World of Blame with some 41 where it's like, oh, we're singing, and it cuts right yeah. into the song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of um, A Day to Remember um, when you hear him like practicing it and just mumbling the words um, on Common Courtesy, like right back at it again mm-hmm. or one of those. Yeah. He's like, guys, I got it. And then they kick into the song. <laughs> uh, it's so cool because like it makes you feel a little closer to the band. Like you get a little behind the scenes peek to these things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting to see how they put everything together, and um, maybe at some point I'll reach out to them again for an interview to get some uh, more context about what went into these songwriting processes because it's it's definitely a very complex record. Yeah, and you you should ask them why they insist on doing co-headline tours <laughs> these past two years. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because they're a big enough band to fill like these medium to large size rooms and. Sometimes they look for different supporting slots along the way to kind of get their name out there in different audiences. So I kind of see what they're doing uh, from that perspective. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they're from Canada. So um, maybe they, they still feel like they haven't really truly made it, so to speak, uh, in the States. But yeah, they're definitely a household name within our, our audience at Chorus.fm. So. Adam, do you listen to Amity Affliction at all? Like Nick and I have never really listened to them before. Sir, and I'm not, not sure. Like, not as much. Like. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, the the band just from like, you know, different billings and stuff like that, but I haven't really checked them out on, on a, a higher level. So we're not the only ones, Nick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I want to go to that show. So I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll listen to them leading up <laughs> as it goes. Um, yeah, I've, I've been really happy with this album, though. Um, you never know what you're going to get with these things, but with Silverstein, you can always kind of rely on good different songs. Yeah. And the fact that they're not making the same album over and over again, which is very easy to do in the post-hardcore genre uh, with getting comfortable to that type of, you know, sound or whatever style that you want to call it. Um, they're like kind of the comparisons, like that I mentioned before, like with Under Oath and with uh, 
other bands that have kind of evolved over time. They've really honed in on those sounds that they want to do, and they they really are able to really go for different directions uh, because it still makes them sound like you know it's still them, you know, and they're willing to take the risks, the calculated risks along the way to in order to make it different. Yeah. Yeah, I've mentioned cold blooded before, and just like the fact that like that and like die alone or on the same album, just yeah, it's so wild and and it works. Like I thought the album had like a really good flow for the most part. Um, you mentioned in your article how bankrupt is kind of like feels a little shoehorned in. Yeah, and the fact that it's like one of the older songs now that have come out because it was the first one to release when it was almost like a standalone single at that point. And then it almost like when you listen to the album from front to back, it almost sounds a little awkward in its sequencing. It, you almost want to prefer it as like a bonus track or as kicking off the set because it sounds so different than everything else that's on the record. I wonder if that was their choice or if like the, the record label was like, how about we just throw this single on there too, just for good measure? I mean, a lot of a lot of times the discussions go on between, you know, the label and the artist. And then obviously from a marketing standpoint, you want to make sure your strongest songs are at the beginning because you just think from a streaming perspective, people are just browsing along. They want to hear the first couple strong songs to start off a thing. I mean, we're, we're definitely past the days of like going to Tower Records and stuff like that. They'll listen to the album uh, when it first comes out from front to back and skipping along. Uh, but yeah, you, you definitely want your strongest songs to start off with uh, just from a marketing standpoint. And like you pointed out in your article, like that song's like seven months old at this point when it was yeah. released the other Friday, mm-hmm. the other day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's so weird how that works. Me, me and Brett have like an ongoing debate if it's worth listening to the singles or if you should just block them out until the album comes out. Yeah, I mean, we get so many different advances and different like pitches at Chorus FM. It's almost hard to, you know, block out some of the noise that when, when a new music video was re- released or something like that, when you know the album comes out, let's say six months from now. Um, I'm usually in the boat where I want to at least hear the full thing uh, rather than like the few singles that have been released, unless it's something that I know that I'm going to be gravitating towards right from the get-go like a My Chemical Romance or, you know, uh, a Silverstein or something like that. Um, But um, in general, when I do my reviews, I I like to listen to the album at least front to back, at least two to three times if possible, um, because that it's easy to get into either a good mood or bad mood or something in between when you're listening to a record for the first time and then let that kind of influence um, some of the writing that goes after it. So I really like to put myself in different experiences with it. Yeah, that's, that's smart because it is there's plenty of albums I could think of where first listen for really no logical reason at all. I just have like a negative vibe towards it. Mm-hmm. And then I just have to shake it and like give this a chance. Why are you making these like presumptions all of a sudden? Yeah. Um, but do you feel like in in like your line of work, you almost have to listen to singles or are you able to wait if you're typically um, doing and- an album review? Yeah, most of the time I'll wait, uh, at least closer to the the release week of, let's say, like, uh, you know, things that are coming out this week, like um, uh, the new Florence and the Machine and stuff like that. Uh, I haven't heard any of the singles at all. I wanted to kind of go in fresh with that um, because I'm familiar with the artists and what they've done beforehand. So I feel like I could pick up those pieces a little bit quicker than whether it be like a new artist that's just put out like maybe a single or two or even an EP before that. There might be something that you want to pick up uh early on that kind of give you a, a flavor for what they're going for on the on the full length i'm not alone nick with uh, <laughs> the album take <laughs> no it, i i lean more and more towards your opinion 
with every passing album because even this one, I think it might have been bankrupt by the time I got to it. I was like, this I this song is old. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even think this was a single on the album. I thought this was just some other song. Yeah, because but... we didn't know an album was that close to being on the horizon really when Bankrupt and the other single that came out, the second one, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but... Uh, um, Ultraviolet and... Uh... It's, was it It's Over one too? Yeah. It's Over, that's right. the one I was thinking that of. That one, yeah. I absolutely love in that song how the guitar riff like previews the vocal melody and the chorus. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah, and really they complement each other. Bankrupt and it's over. They use like on the single artwork the some of the similar vibe and things like that. Um, so you almost felt like it was going to be like two standalone singles. So you you know rush out and purchase them or whatever. Or maybe they'll put it on a seven inch at some point. Um, but you didn't really think that they had you know the full length pretty much ready to go around the springtime. So here we are. Yeah, they're always working. <laughs> They're almost good for like an album a year, it feels like at this point. Yeah, between that and like the remix albums and the live records that they put out, they just put out, I think, um, the live release of Discovering the Waterfront. Uh, they put that out on vinyl uh, a couple of years before that. I think they did the one for um, when, he's, when Broken is Easily Fixed. Um, and yeah, they're, they're a tremendous live band. I've seen them at least, I, I would want to say five or six times. Yeah, uh, they, they're, they're always they always they're, they're, yeah they're road warriors. I, I live just outside the DC area, so I've seen them uh, closer to Baltimore most of the time. They come through there. Um, yeah, I, I always look forward to when they do come through. Did um, you catch them on this past tour with? Bantu? I have not. No, I did not. No. Yeah, us we didn't either. It didn't really. They they went through weird markets for that. At least mm-hmm. it seemed like a lot of like venues that were kind of out of the way or okay less frequented. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you never know with that type of um, the the kind of the great restart to touring. You know, it was tough to for everyone else as you know, COVID was starting to break a little bit um, for everyone to get to like the same venues that they've been used to. They had to get a little bit more creative with the routing. I heard from a couple of different artists um, because you know everybody was in a rush to get on on the calendars of all these venues that they've been so used to. So you almost have to like you know think outside the box a little bit. Yeah, and then Adam, I know you just brought up the uh, the redo albums, mm-hmm. and you made a great point on your last review when the second one came out mm-hmm. that like they haven't touched Rescue yet on either of these two. So I just kind of wanted to pick your brain there and see why you think why that is. I think they think it's one of their weaker albums, and I kind of agree. <laughs> it was one of the things they kind of just kept going through the motions, going through the motions, and, and cranking out albums every two years. And maybe that was just one of the ones that didn't really fit and maybe didn't do as well commercially. So maybe they thought, eh, maybe interest is not as high on that one. But at the same point, you know, with something giving you a chance to kind of think things over and do a true redo of that material i think that could lend itself well to if they do a third one um think about you know what they could do to affect you know the bridges the choruses or even the guitar tones that they went for on that maybe even the tempo changes um i mean another example of that is like bands like newfound glory who've been around for forever they're putting out their first acoustic record i think this summer um then they're looking at you know some of the different tempo changes that they've done with some of their heavier songs and some of the ones that have like, you know, mosh breakdowns and things like that. And really thinking about what the song means and what they can do to really um, layer those guitars acoustically. Like Silverstein's mastered that acoustic. Like they're like mm-hmm. the perfect, like sour patch 
kid band of like the scene yeah. where they they're sour <laughs> than they're sweet because like <laughs> no one really does acoustic as well as they do do they have yeah. an acoustic album i feel like they must but i can't I seem they to did. find one i don't think they do per se but B-sides. there's yeah there's a lot of like um ones that they've done for you know like either bonus tracks that have been acoustic versions and also a lot of their live recordings, like the one at Elma Combo, um, if I'm saying that right, I had a lot of different um, acoustic vibed ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they could definitely get away with it, but they're in such like a heavy like uh, like uh, road right now that mm-hmm. I feel like the last thing they want to do is make an acoustic album. <laughs> yeah, and I think that it wasn't one of their recent uh, touring stints. They did uh, three sets. They started out with like a one with oh, I think, yeah. discovering the waterfront, then an acoustic set, and then a greatest hit set. So I think they're they definitely have the material <laughs> definitely yeah. to bank bank on <laughs> if they wanted to do a true acoustic record. I'm sure they could always you know put that together relatively simply. Yeah, R- Rise Against did it, but they had like. They brought in strings for songs and like yep. piano. So they, they didn't just like grab an acoustic guitar and like redo the song. So right. I, I think I'd love to see Silverstein kind of do something like that. Reimagine yeah. them. I, I think if they could do something with an orchestra, that there'd definitely be plenty of songs that would lend itself well to that type of environment. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely plenty of material to choose from that would be interesting for, you know, a lot of people's ears. So what songs are are the two of you enjoying the most on this new album what are what are some of the standouts i'll let brett go first why not <laughs> so how do we want like a top three top two yeah what two or now? three whatever ones really stand out to you i go with top two just because i think we talked a lot about it <laughs> about a lot of them so far but our song is probably my favorite the opener i think just it's just like such a kick-ass opener and like they're really like underrated with how much they do that. Like I feel like each of their albums has a really strong opener, and it and like here it's the same case. Yeah, it, and it's super cool, especially like the guitar. It's like almost jarring the way like it has stops in it and stuff. But mm-hmm. and then the vocals have this kind of weird cadence. But I don't know. It sets the tone for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. And then my second favorite is probably right now is "Don't Wait Up." I just like love the bass line in the beginning, the guitar riffs, and it almost has like a Seosin like translating the name feel to it, which I'm really digging. I don't know yeah. if you guys noticed that too, if that's just me kind of forcing that sound into my ear or not. But <laughs> no, there there definitely is some of that type of guitar type of work, you know, on that. Yeah. It's got some of my favorite lyrics on the album too. When he's screaming about like um I can't hold myself together if I can't feel my hands, I can't get better if I don't yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great song. And I agree. The drum and bass. I love like drum and bass first half of the verse. The second half of the verse, the guitar riff comes in. Ah, oh, it's perfect. Perfect formula. Shout out uh, <laughs> Billy Hamilton on bass and uh, Paul Kohler on drums. Yeah. Yeah. They, they agree. yeah, they definitely complement each other well on those. Uh, I'd say for, for me, my favorite one is definitely Ultraviolet. Um, I think it should have been the first thing that was released from the record. Yeah, from a marketing standpoint, it just pure Silverstein, you know, everything you'd come to expect for them. And, and it really pushes the envelope in the right direction. And then my, uh, my second one is probably the altar Mary, uh, but just because it, it, it's just so complex of a song from beginning to end. And then obviously the tempo change in the middle to kind of blend the two songs together to make it just one. It just, it really stands out on repeat listens. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Alter Mary's easily my favorite song. Um, and then, 
cold-blooded i really like just because it's just different enough that it kind of keeps me on my toes um i get like juice world vibes from uh trevor daniel <laughs> like if juice world had done a song with silverstein yeah i could have seen it sounding like this it's a good comparison and yeah um it's just a cool it caught me by surprise um so i've gone back to that a few times and then since you took the altar i'll say it's over i just when they dropped that i liked it instantly the guitar yeah. riff is great it's it's super cool yeah and it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how they pull off some of these songs live because you know they're really heavy hitting and it and um really to complement their their set list you almost want them to, to trend more towards this re- record because it's going to be so much different than everything else they've done in the past it'd be kind of awkward to go from you know the the quieter a beautiful place to drown it in some points to misery made me but i mean they'll, they'll definitely find a way to work it into the set um with all the different uh records in their discography and this is their 10th one so it's, it's hard to believe they put out 10 10 studio albums now yeah you can go to a show and they can just play two songs off every album that's crazy I know uh, like some people don't like to like rank records, but Adam, if you had to like, would you put this one like near the top or do you have like a slot you'd put it in? Yeah, I'd probably put it at least in the top three right now. Um, I was a big fan of, you know, Dead Reflection being their favorite, um, being my favorite at the point at that point. Um, I think A Beautiful Place to Drown at times ends up being around my top five or so. Uh, discovering the waterfront was when I first discovered the pan. Uh, so that's a one always going to be sentimental for me. Yep. And then uh, a shipwreck in the sand, uh, probably just from the complexities and the, the different um, guest spots that they put in there, that, that would definitely be around their top five, but it, it definitely shifts for me depending on moods. Um, but this one would be firmly cemented, cemented in my top five for sure right now. I definitely have to agree there. Nick, what about you? Yeah, um, I love how heavy it is. So that automatically gives it a spot right up there. Um, it's always tough when when things first come out. To it's like, do I really like it this much, or am I just mm-hmm. listening to it nonstop? But I I think it's a really well done album. So I think yeah. it it earns its spot at the top. Yeah, and I really liked how they kept at least most of the material, you know, closer to the release date because it's so easy to get an opinion from something uh if you've released half the album you know before the release date i mean that was some of the like minor faults of like what what under earth did with uh the latest record is because they released i think almost half of the album up until the release date or right up into that with all the different mini singles they kept putting out it was almost like you felt like you heard it everything and and then there was a little bit of you you know some complexities and different uh things that they did on, on some of the other tracks in between the sequencing but um, I, I really like to hear it all, all from the full artistic statement from front to back. I agree there, Nick. We just had that conversation about what, how many singles are too many singles. Yeah, I think four tops. And even that, if it's a 10 That's song album, like it's like half yeah. the record right there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're I not hearing looking... them in the right context. Like yeah. you had just said. It's kind of cool how, like, um, if you look on, like, Wikipedia pages, they'll usually keep track of the number of singles that have been released from a certain, um, you know, album cycle or whatever. (laughs) I think Under Oath had, like, seven for the recent one. Yeah, seven (laughs) or seven, seventh single that just came out for We're All Gonna Die, I think, is the last last single to be released from that. So it's almost everything from that, uh, I guess, 11 or 12 song album that they put out. 
we're going to start having bands that just don't make albums. Yeah. They just put out songs whenever they feel like it. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's kind of what streaming has done for, for a lot of people. The, the allure of the album has kind of gone away. I mean, um, un- unfortunately, I'm a big album guy. So um, even when you have like the stopgap EPs, uh, it's, it's still nice to get, you know, uh, a full artistic statement, even if it's like half a record. So That's why we became Twitter buddies, Adam. <laughs> yeah definitely um adam thank you so much for coming on this was so fun yeah um, uh, happy to come back anytime yeah anytime um do you want to tell the people where they can find you i know brett just mentioned twitter sure so i'm my handle is at pay the tab um on twitter and i'm also on instagram for adam grundy uh, maybe it's ap grundy i, I can't remember <laughs> but i'm easy to find from uh, chorus.fm you can look to all my different uh, article pages the author page and if you ever have any pitches for me you know where to find me awesome thank you so much thanks adam okay we're back thank you adam for coming on that was a lot of fun what a guest what an album yeah yeah that was i didn't realize he did so many interviews and stuff like that he talked to the band that much that's pretty cool Adam is the man. He's a writing machine, and I highly recommend anyone to read any interview he puts out, as well as his reviews, too, that he does pretty much weekly for Chorus. He's a more guaranteed than NJ Transit, I'd say. More of a guarantee than NJ Transit. (laughs) Unless the guarantee is that they will be late. and Then they're guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, On the topic of Silverstein, they have a podcast that we were kind of talking about before, but they break down, they're breaking down their songs one by one. And it's just called Silverstein, the podcast. So the first one they did was bankrupt and now they have an episode out for it's over. So I want to check that out. I want to see if they do older songs too. Yeah. I feel like right now they're probably going to lean into the new album because it's kind of free publicity. I'm but, all for that though. Cause I want to hear like what went into making these songs. Cause like, it's like we talked about in the interview, like it's an album that just like, it's out there, but it's them. Yeah. But it's like, they tried so many new and different things, but it all worked. Yeah. I'd love to know like their writing process and how they make the decisions they make and everything. So I would assume that podcast will give us some of that info. So Definitely worth checking out. And I, I think he had, he's been podcasting a while because he has another podcast where he interviews band members. Was it As Told with Shane Told? Or am I making that up? I mean, if that's not the name, that's a huge miss on his part. <laughs> <laughs> and if you just pulled that out of thin air and it's not the name, then... If we ever have him on, I'll pitch it to him. Yeah. I don't know if that's the name. So... um Good job. That's a great name. We might have to change our podcast. We first we have to change our last names to told, and then we could change. And then the we name can do of, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just change your last name to general, and I could change my last name to admission. General or admission. We join the army, and this way we get the title of general, and then you only have to change your name to admission. Yeah, cool jersey to get. <laughs> <laughs> or a good me. concert, good concert t-shirt. General admission. (laughs) 
we'll, for we'll, Halloween we'll, costume. We'll Who are you supposed that. to be? Oh, I'm general admission. Yeah. <laughs> you mean you don't know? You're like in like an army suit. <laughs> it's only the most popular podcast on the East Coast <laughs> of New Jersey, of a small town. <laughs> no, we have listeners all over the world, and that's a fact. The analytics can prove it. Um, where are we going with this? <laughs> Oh, I have a question that I wanted to ask you. So before we went to Pup, me and Vinny bought matching Pup shirts. <laughs> you guys both wear them to the show? Yes. <laughs> I wanted Did anyone to ch- say anything? Yes. <laughs> I wanted to chicken out. Not be- because of two reasons. One, wearing the same shirt as your friend might be a little uncomfortable and two i've always been hesitant to wear the band's shirt to the band show what i always like to do is kind of wear a parallel band but not the band like maybe to to pup uh i don't know i could wear my modern baseball shirt or something like that you know try and like fill in the gaps I will say I was going to wear my Menzinger shirt Monday night if I was to go to the pup show. Because I think great one. I think I got that from you where like it's bad luck to wear a band <laughs> shirt to their show unless like you buy the shirt at the show. Yeah, so like the I've, <laughs> So I've like inherited that belief where I'm not going to wear the shirt of a band I'm going to see, but I will wear a shirt of another band. Like I have a Newfound yes. Glory shirt I love that has like Michael Myers in the back. Oh, it's sweet. like Newfound Glory kills. It's like one of my favorite band shirts right now. Oh, that's awesome. So I was debating between that one and the Menzingers one, but I'll probably save one of them for a uh, 741 or a date to remember at this point. Yeah. Those are, you should save them both and wear them those separate weekends. Yeah. That actually works out perfectly. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't right. think of that. Now that we have our outfits picked out for August. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, wearing, wearing the band shirt to the show. I, I don't know. Um, it always, kind of just felt like lame but i'm also a little past it in the sense like that we were talking about guilty pleasures and it's like they don't really exist and i don't really care about anything so if i want to wear the band shirt to the show i'm just gonna do it if i want to wear matching shirts with Vinny to the show we're gonna do it and it struck up a bunch of conversations with people and it was a lot of fun so like I'm glad we did it. It's like going to like a sports event too. Like I'm sure like if Vinny was to go to a Bengals game, he'd be decked out in Bengals gear. It's like, yeah. why can't you do that same thing for going to see your favorite band? Yeah. The only band that I always wear the shirt to the show is fish, but there I always just consider them like more of a sports team than a band. So your analogy holds up. Um, yeah. I don't know. And then the second thought on concert day is do you listen to the band you're going to see the day of? Like I told you on previous podcasts, I usually cheat and look at the set list. And so I like to just jam the set list into my mind. <laughs> so I'm ready for the songs that are coming. And I know I'm not like someone singing the wrong words. You're like <laughs> just standing there. So like I usually listen to bands day of, especially if like if I'm not listening to them all week and it's like the concert pretty much sneaks up on you like and you have to cram yeah. i feel like there's just many different cases where 
I do end up listening to them on the day of, but I know you believe it's superstitious. Yes, but I also go to shows with so many people who put the band on that I'm never going to be like, yo, man, don't put the band on the day of. Like, (laughs) again, I don't care. (laughs) So it doesn't matter. But it was something that I used to I used to always do. And I think a lot of these like rules also depend on the band. Like if we're going to see Blink, there's no cramming involved. If we're going to see like Rise Against any of those bands, then like I stand by. Don't listen to the day of because you're so excited for the show. All you want to do is listen to them. Like make yourself wait. Don't spoil your appetite, you know? Um, but if it's a band where you're not as familiar with the songs or whatever, then do what you got to do to make sure you have the most fun that you can at the show. And if that means listening to the band throughout the day of, then by all means, go for it. I think that's a great rule. Yeah. I also have a, it's like burned into my mind, like shows of the art center. And like, you're walking through the parking lot, like you're tailgating, like someone's blasting that band out of their car. And it just feels like very comforting, not oh, like it's like a it. bad thing. I do, huh? Because I'm like, it gets like the adrenaline pump a little bit. It's like, wow, I'm gonna be actually seeing them live in like a couple hours after we knock back some cocktails. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's that sense of like camaraderie. Like we're all here for this band and these songs, and you know you have that in common with everyone yep. else at the show. So you're instantly friends. It's a great exactly. Thing. It's See? it's a great thing. <laughs> I really missed concerts. I like, did too. It's just you you can't capture that same vibe any other way. You really can't. I mean, sports maybe comes close, but yeah. You're also there's a chance you're going home sad. Yeah. Sports really are, sad. Sports are <laughs> angrier or sadder. Mm-hmm. Um music you should be going home happy no matter what, unless the band just sucks live, which is I feel like that's rare now. I can't really think of bands I've seen live that are terrible. Yeah, because you're not going to see the terrible bands. Yeah. I, I've i seen some bands before where if you've seen them a bunch, you have now higher standards almost, where it's like, oh, this show was good, but it didn't beat their Brooklyn show back in like 2012 or some something like that. But... I don't think it would take away from the show, but if you're looking for them to play a certain song and they don't play it, maybe that could be uh, a little bit of a bummer. That could be it. But and then I remember uh, growing up, my dad used to tell me a story about like when you saw Boston live and he said like, they were awful, like really? a truly awful live band. Like they sounded almost like completely different live than they did like on their albums. And, like people love like more than a feeling and all those different songs. And he said, it just sounded like a bar band, like a bad bar band covering uh, those songs. <laughs> wow. Because they only really had like that one album, right? I think they didn't quite follow it up. They tried to, I think, but I don't yeah. think it hit as much as that one did. Yeah. I mean, that album was like a monster. I can't think of any other songs other than More Than The Feeling, but we should do a classic rock episode one of these weeks on a slow week. Oh, uh, yeah, that would be fun. Because um, like, how many of those bands are like gateways for, like us and probably many of our listeners? So I feel like you start with classic rock, and that's when you kind of migrate into current bands. 
Yeah. Or just whatever your parents are playing. Pretty much that too. Yeah, classic rock episode would be fun. Well, I'm gonna be able to tell you how Slash is when I see Guns That's N' Roses right. next week. Which and I, Axel. Yeah, I've heard many people say like, you haven't seen, like, wait, is Slash Slash is not Guns N' Roses? He is. Slash? Oh, okay. I'm just trying, I'm imagining. Slash. I'm imagining how <laughs> Axel is right now, and I'm sure he sounds awful. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. <laughs> I'm sure the rest of the band would be great. I'm like, he's the one I'd be worried about. Yeah. Uh, Even if they're horrible, that'll just be a fun, like, story. Like, everyone's gonna be going nuts anyway. Nothing, nothing can really go wrong. Like, there's the bands I'm dying to see, and then there's the bands that'll just be cool to see, like Kiss. Like, I'm not a Kiss fan. Like, I don't. I could take them or leave them. I guess. But I'm psyched to see him. Maybe I'll paint my face. I don't know. <laughs> Might have to. <laughs> yeah. And then just sneak up on the stage and just act like I'm in the band. Light your guitar on fire. <laughs> I'll need like a prosthetic tongue. Don't they have really long tongues? <laughs> I think Gene Simmons does. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. <laughs> Hopefully he brings it to the show. <laughs> I hope so, since he sings some of the songs. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be difficult for him to sing without a tongue. Very difficult. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. I really hope he breaks his tongue then. (laughs) Oh, no. This is the perfect day after a concert show. (laughs) My whole body hurts. I don't know if I talked about this on air yet, but my whole body hurts. My neck hurts. I think that's expected now when we get, when you're in the 30s. Yeah. The day after a concert. I don't mind though. I'll be sore. Wait for it. Yeah, 100%. But I'm going to sleep good tonight. That's for sure. And then what do we have? What do we have next show wise? Is there anything on the horizon other than like, concert wise? Yeah. Like I know. Like, go ahead. I uh, just, I know I have this festival, but after that, I haven't really thought much past it. I, I know for me, I don't think I have anything till August. Unless we decide last minute yeah, right. in June to go to the Bowling for Soup show. <laughs> I might try and go to the Philly show for that because it's like an easier date. I think I have like a, I don't know if it's a wedding or what, but I can't make it to the Starland show, but I can make it to the Philly show. So I might try and do that. And then this Thursday, a couple of my friends are tossing around the idea of calling out sick and going to see the offspring at the summer stage. So It'd probably be a fun show. I mean, I have seeing them at warped. I'm like scarred from wanting to see them now. Cause like, I couldn't believe like how much they aged and it made me feel old. <laughs> They're definitely and, like, I love the offspring. On the older side. Like... Yeah. Yeah. That's one where if they text me and say they're doing it, I'll do it, but I'm not going to initiate it. And they put on a great show. I've seen them like many times, especially they think was, oh, was it five years ago now? Longer from the, the anniversary of Smash. They played the whole album in full at the Pony. Oh, uh, it's sick. With Bad Religion. That was a great show. They have a uh, Radke opening for them on the store. Who are. But not um, Ronnie Radke. Not Ronnie Radke. Okay. No. <laughs> the punk rockers from uh, 
don't know where they're from. But I saw them play with like Rise Against a long time ago. I don't know, but they're they're solid. So like it would be it'd be a good show. Just like I w- almost went for sure because I don't know if you got this email, but Live Nation was doing $25 tickets for like all these shows. And they were one of them, right? Yeah. And then when I clicked it to try and get these tickets, there was no option. And it turns out there is a limited amount per show. So I guess the $25 tickets got bought. Like, what a dumb promo. If I click it the day of and can't get tickets for $25. Uh, I don't know. It pissed me off. Because 25 bucks would have been a no-brainer. That's good for them. Yeah, but instead it's like 55 somewhere around there which that's about what you expect for a show so like i don't want to say it's bad but it all adds up we just spent like 80 on a day to remember we did <laughs> i couldn't believe how much that looked guess with the fees but yeah fees adds like another 20 bucks i don't know if this was mobile only but there was a checkbox where it just said show prices with fees and i really liked that checkbox because then i at least knew what i was getting off the bat and not waiting for the number to just magically go up yeah that's what i did with mine too yeah and that's a four band show that's like a day event so like i think that ticket price is easily justified they all put on good shows i mean i've never seen it's gonna be my first time seeing bear tooth but i can imagine that they're awesome yeah i've been listening to bear tooth on and off for a while now so, I mean, the album with like Body Bag and all that was really good. Their most recent one's yeah. really good too. It came out last year. You know, I listened to it like once and then I think I forgot about it, but I'm definitely going to dig back in, especially now that we're going to be seeing them. And Ghost Inside too. Like they're the band that like almost died in like that horrible car crash and they came back from it. Oh, shit. Wow. Good for them. That's crazy. I I don't think I've really ever listened to that. They're a really interesting story. They make like really good heavy music too. Nice. Engine forty five, I think, is like their best song. Yeah, yeah, I just pulled it up. Twenty three mil. Cool. Yeah, we have some good summer music to prepare for all these shows in August. Nice. Nice. Um, what do we have next week? So we got. Kendrick, like we said, mm-hmm. state champs. We'll finally listen to the simple plan that came out Friday. Yes. Um, I think there's one more. We got some homework. There's definitely one more that I'm missing. Kendrick, simple plan. Oh, Black Keys, if you listen to them. Oh, nice. Wow. That's a lot of albums for us. But then we have it. like a slow week, <laughs> the following week, and then coheed at the end of the month. Yeah, and we're both going to be traveling the last two weeks of the month, so we're going to have yeah, to get so creative we'll have, with episodes. We'll have time to get to that one. Yeah, maybe reach out to coheed too. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be an easy get. <laughs> <laughs> they follow me on Twitter, so I'm going to try. You have the blue check mark. That's going to open a lot of doors for us. <laughs> it's worked a couple times so far, so. <laughs> Yeah, we got to take advantage of every every tool we have. So next step, we'll get the pod verified, and then we'll be able to interview anyone we want. That's how it works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I think that's our show. 
uh good work as always great um, show great silver seam album so highly recommend everyone keep listening to that and i think it might have even swung nick and i on seeing them live yeah on this co-headlining tour yes with amity affliction who has good songs i listened to like a few and i apologize for just calling them a clothing brand that was wrong <laughs> <laughs> they make good music i apologize to you even though i haven't listened yet but <laughs> based on how good this silver scene album is i'm sure they know what they're doing with bands they bring on tour yes absolutely um as always thank you everyone for listening we love you love you and we'll see you all next week make sure to listen to all the great music that's coming out because that's what we a lot yeah all right peace bye